and what we've been experiencing, especially throughout uh, this 12th chapter, which we're just still on years in my master's hermitage, both what that training looks like, but also on a subtler level, because we're unable to fathom the consciousness of a self-realized master. I mean, we're unable to fathom anyone's consciousness. And so we begin to use certain outward, you know, the glimpses of their personality, of how they did things, how they acted, how they spoke, uh, how they connected and interacted and related to people, to the world. And that helps us kind of look, it's almost, you can say, as a filter to try then to capture what consciousness lies behind that. And what that's what our guru is doing here giving us a glimpse of his guru, of Swami Sri Yukteswar, of seeing, okay, these are the ways that Sri Yukteswarji acted, and this is how he conducted himself. Yeah, and especially the process and the time that takes in order to really implement those changes in our lives. Let's just keep reminding ourselves that the change we are looking for, you know, all the spiritual growth we are praying for, it's not happen overnight. <laughs> it takes time and this is a wonderful process for us to see like the thread, you know, years. Let's remember this is like 12 years that Yogananda was in Sri Yudeshwar's ashram. We are, Yogananda is condensating all those main lessons that he learned or made an impact in his consciousness and really uh, created a turning point in their way of serving uh, the world years later. But it's just 12 years that he had to go through such a rigorous training. And in fact, Yogananda says also that it was later on that he really understood what Sri Yudeshwar was trying to convey to him. So yes, we should have um, open heart and relaxation in the process that it takes time. At the same time, let's also remind ourselves that we don't want to waste too much time. So where we left it in our last session, which was apparently three weeks ago, um, is Sri Yukteswarji sharing with Yogananda. I am hard on those who come for my training. That is my way, take it or leave it. We went through this, but this will help us build the context, pick up the thread once again. I will never compromise, but you will be much kinder to your disciples. Now he's saying that to Yogananda. That is your way. So there are two realities here. There is not so much that we have to become like the Guru in, you know, how we were talking about how his outward, the glimpses of his Imitating. relationship to the world is not to be imitated from that perspective, but to be used as a guidepost to see what's animating, what consciousness enlivens those actions, those thought processes, those words. And Sri Yukteswarji is trying to help us see that already. Just because I was hard and I'm very strict, I'm a disciplinarian, that's not what the spiritual path necessarily is about. That's my way, that's the particular mission, the particular energy, that's how God flows through me. 
to those who need that. He says, take it or leave it. He's not, a, he's not much of a pampering us kind of a person. But he says, but you will be much kinder to your disciples because that is your way. I try to purify, he says, only in the fires of severity, searing beyond the average toleration. So whatever our average toleration, whatever how much fire we can all take, well, Sri Yukteswarji believes that we need to go a little bit beyond the average ability of what our toler tolerance levels are. And that was how he kind of worked on purifying his disciples. The gentle approach of love is also transfiguring. And these are beautiful words, especially for a man who's in a sense, and you will see Yoganandaji say this several times, he's like, there, were no, there was no love in those eyes. And it never showed outwardly in Sri Yukteswarji's behavior. But here he's helping us see what in fact is perhaps from the majority of us a more appropriate step. The gentle approach of love is also transfiguring. The inflexible and the yielding methods are equally effective if applied with wisdom. And we spoke about this the last time. If you have real wisdom, and real wisdom is impartial, it is very, very, um, you know, it's, act, it's, it's very detached. It has no intention to change people. It's not, I know and therefore, now I'm going to have to somehow, you know, make sure others know as well. So if you, there is real wisdom, then at times, and this is when we look at the father-mother energy and, you know, the father tends to be the very practical wisdom, although those lines are far blurred now and <laughs> it's hard to kind of box anybody in. But that's what, and it tends to be a little detached, tends to be a little firm. And the mother's wisdom is one purely of love. So if there's wisdom, there's still a possibility of that. But most of us don't particularly have the wisdom. We have opinions, we have views, we have our own likes and dislikes. We have our own influences. God knows where we've heard these things from. And most of us just tend to blurt out kind of uh, undigested information. So he says here, you will go to foreign lands. And of course, that's what we're celebrating today. Where blunt assaults on the ego are not appreciated. A teacher could not spread India's message in the West without an ample fund of accommodative patience and forbearance. And so for us, whether we're going to be sharing these teachings anywhere or in the West, I think this accommodative patience and forbearance is perhaps a must in how we work with people um, and these are everyday people these are our loved ones these are our children our parents and our friends and of course our guru bhais though sri yukteswar's undissembling speech prevented a large following during his years on earth nevertheless his living spirit manifests today over the world through sincere students of his kriya yoga and other teachings. I love how he says his Kriya Yoga. Very sweet. You know, this is what I've received from my Guru. This is his thing that I am giving to you. His Kriya Yoga and his teachings that I give you. And so each one of us, whether we practice Kriya or not, but if we have a relationship to Yogananda, to these teachings, 
where essentially we have a relationship to Sri Yukteswar and all of that has come to us from him. So whether he had disciples uh, plenty back in his day doesn't matter because he has disciples a plenty, a plenty, a plenty. And then now. Sri Yukteswar addressing all the credit and all the wisdom he received from his guru, Lahiri Mahashaya. So <laughs> it's just like such a beautiful thing because each guru is pointing their, their guru and their guru. And we can see this beautiful lineage of such a reverence and respect that each disciple uh, offered and always remembered his guru. Lahiri Mahashaya always Babaji. Sri Yudeshwar always referring my guru's wisdom, Lahir Mahashaya, and Yogananda's Sri Yudeshwar. I mean, just like so, such an example already in that. I mean, like everything they achieved, they never credited to themselves, always through the channel of their guru, which is, I think, the greatest teaching that this path has to offer that never forget even for a moment mm -hmm. where our power comes from once we keep that always alive that memory i think that's the safest place where each one of us can be we may create many messes <laughs> around we can say many nasty things we may manipulate many things but as long as we remember where that source, that power comes from, um, I think there is a better chance to correct ourselves uh, quicker. And that's a wonderful way to practice humility. And even the masters, as Narayani said, they practiced humility by referring that power, that source to their own guru. And uh, whether it's true or not, whether Yogananda needed to do that, of course, as a self-realized master, he didn't because everything that he was receiving, in a sense, was directly from God. But nonetheless, just as, as a practice that they have perfected over lifetimes, it's, it's become a part of who they are, whether they're master, whether they're disciple, they know where their power comes from. And it's a, it's a beautiful way to live for all of us to see, oh, no, no, it's, it's all coming from right I here. I think the best example we have, many of us, uh, here in Ananda is Swami Kriyananda's perfect example of everything he did attributed to his guru. I mean, that was the only real conversation and lectures he offered and wrote, uh, books he wrote. Everything was about his guru, his guru's teachings. My guru said this. I saw Yogananda doing that just by seeing, observing Swami Kriyananda's consciousness and his last words in a sense was, I don't want to be remembered as I did did, I did that, I was doing whatever. I want to be remembered as a disciple. I mean, almost his final message. So there is a power that comes from becoming a disciple. For some of you may be disciples of life, disciples or many other things, but when you have a guru to be a disciple of a great guru, as the scripture says, is the greatest blessings in the three worlds. So Father, 
Yogananda-ji's father, arrived one day to pay his respects to Sri Yukteswar. My parent expected very likely to hear some words in my praise. <laughs> I can imagine a father coming, any parent coming, hoping that <laughs> to any teacher, school, mm-hmm. mein ja ke, like, I hope, the, I hope the teacher is going to say some good things about my child. He was shocked to be given a long account of my imperfections. It was master's practice to recount simple, negligible shortcomings with an air of portentous gravity. So he's got Sri Yukteswarji would take even the tiny little things and he'd make it sound like, Oh my goodness, this guy has no idea. He's just completely useless. And so his father rushed to go see where Yogananda was, where young Mukunda was, kind of expecting him to be a complete wreck. He says, from your guru's remarks, I thought to find you a complete wreck. And his own father was, you know, between tears and laughter, couldn't quite figure out. And then Yogananda in his own, of course, is telling us the only cause of Sri Yukteswar's displeasure at the time was that I had been trying against his gentle hint to convert a certain man to the spiritual path. So this is what was happening. Yoganandaji was uh, in the process of kind of trying to draw somebody over and sometimes, you know, this is how we are. We're, we're overly enthusiastic in our own love for the divine, for our path, for our guru, for the teachings that he's given us, for the practices. And in that enthusiasm, we might somehow feel that others should as well, especially if it's a husband, he wants his wife in, if it's a wife, they want their children in or vice versa or however that relationship is. And so one thing that Sri Yukteswarji at that moment especially was kind of a little bit not very happy, not just because Yogananda was trying to do something like this, but as he says here, against his gentle hint. And this is an where the real teaching of the Guru comes. It's always as gentle hints. Now, you may think, because we've just heard, Sri Yukteswarji would say, oh, this person is this, that he was giving such accurate and such clear, you, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. But they did that, and this is how the masters tend to work. They do that just as a kind of, it's almost like, they won't even tell you what the real issue is. They won't tell you, oh, it is because you are now trying to convert this person, therefore, you know, they will, they'll just create enough of a situation that you're aware that something's not right, that there's a certain disharmony between my guru and me. And this is created in life as well. When certain disharmonies come into our life, it's not just necessarily the issues that are most apparent to us. It is the gentle hints that life gives us, that the Guru gives us through people and situations and circumstances that we need to be really looking out for and paying attention to. And this is how Swamiji worked, this is how he said Yoganandaji worked with him and with the other disciples, just dropping these gentle hints and then seeing whether the disciple is aware enough, open enough, attuned enough to pick up on that. On a side note, uh, Yogananda said, refer to this specific disciple that he was trying to convert to the path, that this disciple years later betrayed Yogananda. Mm. And uh, there was a real reason behind this gentle hint. 
of Sri Yudeshwar not wanting for Yogananda to bring this man into the path because he could already see, I mean, years ahead, the karma that this new devotee will bring in Yogananda's life, especially in the U.S. So Sri Yudeshwar was almost gently trying to avoid that karma, yet as a guru who cannot interfere in our karma had to allow that process to happen and eventually years later this disciple uh, betrayed Yogananda and you know it was a, a big mess in uh, Yogananda's organization. But th this is such a beautiful thing because the guru sees already our karma and he keeps sending us hints so we can can avoid unnecessary karma but it's up to us to see to feel as Shurja was saying and to be really open and have big ears <laughs> to see what's the message but yeah here there was a specific reason Sri Yuteswar already saw what this other disciple was going to to bring in Yogananda's life so but yet Yogananda <laughs> just couldn't hear we that. don't like to hear these things <laughs> and we that, know what's right yeah the, so that karma <laughs> had to unfold so now Yogananda ji goes to Sri Yukteswar and says sir why did you judge me so mercilessly before my astounded father was that just and Sri Yukteswar his response very simply I will not do it again I mean, can you just see that? Uh, here it is, a disciple runs to you and you are the master and you are the saint and you know it all. And there it is. I will not do it again. Instantly I was disarmed. 